If you have your Bible, I'd like you to open with me to the Gospel of Luke. We'll be in Luke chapter 12, and we'll pick up in verse 35, right where we left off last week. Uh, Luke chapter 12 and verse 35. And today I want to talk to you for a little bit about being ready, about being prepared to stand before God. Now, you may hear that, and, and it may be kind of ringing some bells, because you may think, well, I've, I've heard that before. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago, um, I preached something very similar to this. Um, on in the middle of March, and I'm not resurrecting old sermons and, uh, and and pass them off as new, but rather this is the theme of this section of teaching that Jesus gives. It's all about being ready, about being prepared, and he gives warning after warning about being ready to stand before God. And so um, there are key there are key words or ideas in our text I want you to grab hold of. There are three of them, and so if, I don't know if you make notes in your Bible or, or on your bulletin or something like that, but if if it helps you, uh, the three words or ideas I want you to catch are watching, prepared, and faithful. Watching, prepared, and faithful. Those are the three ideas, the three main words to describe the type of person that Jesus calls blessed in our passage. Now, if you found Luke chapter 12, and verse 35, I'd like you to stand, if you're able, in honor of God's word, and we'll read down through the end of this section. Jesus says, Be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps lit. Be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast, so that they may, ha- so that they may immediately open the door to him when he knock- comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master will find on the alert when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will gird himself to serve and have them recline at the table and will come up and wait on them. Whether he comes in the second watch or even the third and finds them so, Blessed are those slaves. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have allowed his house to be broken into. You too be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you addressing this parable to us or to everyone else as well? And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and sensible steward, whom his master will put in charge of his servants, to give them their rations at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that slave says in his heart, My master will be a long time time in coming, and begins to beat the slaves, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour that he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers." And that slave who knows master's will and did not get ready or act in accord, in accord with his will will receive many lashes. But the one who did not know it and committed deeds worthy of a flocking will receive but a few. From everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And to whom they entrusted much, of him they will ask all the more. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, as I said before, the first idea that I want you to grab hold of is the idea of watching. Watching Now, Jesus has just gotten through um, talking to these people about greed or covetousness. And, he's, and one of the things he said is, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about all the stuff of life. Don't, don't be focused on all these, all these material things around you. And so, so he's teaching us not to have anxiety. And people can go, back home they used to call it going to seed. You know what I mean? They, they, they go too far. And so some people may look at that and say, well, if I'm not going to be anxious about stuff... I'll just be lazy about stuff. And so uh, they'll, they'll just coast along. 
And, and if they take it too far and, and maybe misapply this and apply it to their spiritual life, they, they might just say, well, you know, I'll just, I'll just drift along in my walk with God. But Jesus corrects that, and he calls them to be ready for his return. Now, I want you to notice back in verse 35 and following that, that Jesus, even now, is beginning to lay the groundwork that he's not only going away, of course, the crucifixion and later the ascension, but he's also going to come again. This is not some idea that came about later in, in church history. This is something that Jesus taught even before the crucifixion. And so he uses word pictures to teach them the truth. And look at verse 35. He likens himself to this man who has gone to a wedding feast. Now, obviously, he's not the one who is getting married, but he's going as, as, uh, as a guest. And this man is well-to-do. He has several servants. And notice he says these, these servants were watching for their master's return. Verse 35, he says, Be dressed in readiness. Have you ever had somebody show up at your door, the door doorbell rings, somebody knocks on the door, and you are not clothed in readiness? You know what I mean? Maybe you just got out of the shower, you're getting ready to get in the shower or something like that, and and you, it's panic mode, right? I mean, you, you, you just try to stay out from in front of the windows, even if the blinds are closed and, and everything else. You, you it's, it's panic mode. It's like that also when the boss comes. And you're sitting there off daydreaming, and all of a sudden the boss is standing at your desk. What do you do? You're in panic mode. You're trying to figure out how to, how to make it look like you're busy. I saw somebody make a recommendation sometime. If you fall asleep at your desk, and all of a sudden you wake up, and somebody's standing there, you open your eyes and say, Amen. Now, I'm not saying to do that, but that's, that's something that I've, I've, I've heard suggested. But we all know what it's like to not be ready. And Jesus is saying, don't be like that. These, these servants, these slaves, they were ready and alert when their master got back. Now, the Bible says, and my, my translation says, be dressed in readiness. Your Bible may say something like, keep your loins girded, or something similar. And you might look at that and kind of scratch your head and say, what in the world is keep your loins girded? What does that mean? Well, back then, they, they wore long, flowing robe type garments which were fine for what they were sometimes but sometimes it's kind of impractical mainly if you're doing work or if you're busy or if you're running or something like that and so what they would do if they're getting ready to do that type of activity is they would hike that robe up around their legs and tie it in their belt or also called a girdle and so so to gird oneself would be to hike up your robe and and tie it up and be ready for action okay so when he says have your loins girded, he's saying, be dressed in readiness. He, he's saying, be ready for action. And, and the same thing, this idea of keeping one's lamp lit has the same idea. Because their lamps didn't have light bulbs. Their lamps did not have batteries. They were little uh, clay, uh, well, if, if you've ever seen the movie Aladdin, the genie in the lamp, it, it was shaped kind of like that, only it had oil in it, and there was a wick that would float, and they'd light that wick, and it would wick up that oil, and burn, and so you'd always have to be keeping oil in it. You'd always have to be staying prepared. You'd always have to be taking care of that fire. And so when he says, keep your lights lit, your lamps lit, be dressed in readiness, he's saying, you need to be ready. And these servants were ready for their master's return. Their, their clothes were on, they were dressed in readiness, their lamps were lit. They were ready to serve the master. They were ready to light his way. And Jesus says, these people are blessed. Blessed are those slaves, verse 37. Blessed are those slaves, and that word blessed means happy or fortunate. Why? Because they will experience the favor 
of their master. In fact, the, the master will be so pleased, what, is it, what does Jesus say he'll do? When he sees them in readiness, he'll be so happy, verse 37, that he will gird himself to serve and have them recline at the table and will come up and wait on them. The master will be so pleased with his servants that he will serve them. Now think about that. That's something that, that, that's unheard of. The master serving the servants. And Jesus uses this as a picture of how fortunate and how blessed his servants are if, if when he returns he finds them engaged in what they're supposed to be doing. If he comes back and he finds them uh, involved and, and ready and watching for his return. And I just want to apply this very simply and ask you this. How expectant are you of his return? How much do you watch and wait for Christ to come back? Are you ready if he comes back? Now you might say to yourself, and you might, even if we talked, you might even tell me, well, you know, I, 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 know, it, I know it could happen, and I know it could even be today. But the unspoken part is, I don't think it will be. And I, I, I suspect, and I, I, I would, if I were a betting man, I would bet money on this, that probably nobody here this morning, up until the time that we read this text, or, or you saw the title in your bulletin, or, the, or the, the scripture reference, probably nobody here has thought once, I wonder if Jesus is going to come back today. I bet Jesus could return Today, we just don't, we, we don't think that way. I mean, if you knew Jesus was coming back at 345 this afternoon, how would your day be different than it's going to be? How would your calendar look different? How would your conversations be different? How would your, how would your activities through the day be different? How, 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 much would, how much different would it be the attention you were paying during the sermon? I mean, we... We, we know he could come back, but we're like these slaves and don't really realize and don't think it could be today. But verse 37, Jesus says, Blessed are those slaves whom the master will find on the alert when he comes. So the first, first key I want you to grab hold of is that word watching. You might say waiting. The second word that I want you to see or, uh, is the word prepared. Prepared. Now, we're not only to watch expectantly, we also need to be prepared. We also need to be ready. And this is similar to what Jesus has just gone through saying, but he changes the picture a little bit, and there's a, a little bit different emphasis on his words. Because Jesus says that if the, if, the, if the head of the house would have known when the thief was coming, he would not have allowed his house to be broken into. Now, now Jesus says... He's likening, likening his return to a thief coming. Not in, in the sense that it's some kind of a bad thing, but rather it's going to be unexpected. The thief doesn't come to your house and, and knock on the door and, and, or maybe leave you a note if you're not there and says, uh, sorry, I miss you. I'm going to be back at midnight tonight. He doesn't do that. It, it's an unexpected thing when the thief shows up. Now, I want you to notice that there is this idea of preparedness here because Jesus says um, in, in verse 39... If he would have known when he was coming, he would not have allowed his house to be broken into. There's preparation being made. It's not just, oh, I hope my house doesn't get broken into. It's There's a preparation. I will not allow it. There is some activity that he has done to prepare himself to, to repel this, uh, this thief. Maybe he would have 
you know, had, had Bubba come over. And they're going to they're gonna fix that thief when he comes in. Maybe he would have armed himself. Maybe he would have had law enforcement there and said, I got a good tip. Um, this guy's breaking into my house tonight. You hide in the shadows, you'll be able to get him. We don't know what the preparation is, but he has done some sort of preparation to not allow this to happen. And, and Jesus says, his coming back, his return, is going to be like that thief. He, it's going to be unexpected. It's going to be a day and hour when you don't know. And you need to make preparations. You need to do something to get ready for that to happen. Now, what is it? What, how do you prepare for his return? Well, first and foremost, you need to prepare for that day by turning to Christ for salvation. You repent of your sins. You forsake them. You, you cling to him as the only hope for eternal life. There's not some magical uh, incantation that you use. There are there, there not uh, some, some special works you do. There's not a special prayer you pray. Uh, it's not a specific formula or any of that. The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's, that's, that's it in a nutshell. That's the only way to stand prepared before God. And, and whether you stand before God because Christ has returned or because God has called you to himself in, in, in death, you will stand before God. And the only way to be prepared for that is by trusting in Christ. And I just ask you, are you ready to stand before God today? If not, I, I call on you today to believe on Jesus Christ for salvation. So we have watching, we have uh, being ready, and the last word I want you to see is faithful, or faithfulness. Look at verse 41. Peter, uh, he says, Lord, is this just for us, this is for everybody? And rather than answering him directly, Jesus gives another parable, or another story, and again, the image shifts a little bit. Verse 42, he talks about the faithful and sensible steward. Now, back then, well-off people would sometimes have several servants, and depending on how they had their, their home organized, they would sometimes have a kind of like a head servant that was called a steward. And he would, he would kind of manage a lot of the stuff around the house, and one of the things he would do is he would, he would uh, provide the rations for the other people in the house and, and so forth, the, the other servants. And and, and so this, this position is, is one of, of leadership, and he would know his master's will and so forth. And so Jesus talks about two different types of stewards. On one hand, you have the, the faithful steward, the one who does the will of his master. He's, he's faithful in it. He's involved in doing those things when his master comes. And Jesus, now this is, the, again, the image has shifted, and it's, it's speaking about the end times, about standing before God in final judgment. And he says that the, 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 the servant that the master sees doing that, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. Now again, this is clearly a picture of the, of the blessings of the life to come. The one who is faithful to do what the master has said, in heaven they will have some, we don't know how exactly all that's going to look, but he will have some sort of, of, of serving capacity in heaven. But the other steward is the opposite of this. He's not faithful. He lives high on the hog at the master's expense. He does his own thing. He, he begins to mistreat those who are under him. He begins to beat them and, and be drunk and, and, and all those things. And, and when the master returns, that steward will suffer severe consequences. If you notice verse 46, it's, it's pretty stark. He says that the master will cut him in pieces and, and assign him a place with the unbelievers. 
Now that is that, that cutting him in pieces is, is, is a picture of severe consequences. And, and again, when he's assigned to a place with, with the unbelievers, that points again to the afterlife. Now in Matthew 24, there's a parallel passage. And Jesus in that passage says, he goes on to say in verse 51, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's the way he describes hell. He's talking about people going to hell. Now clearly this is speaking about more than just somebody who's, who's not been a good employee. Okay, this is talking about spiritual realities. Now there are a few things to note here because when we read it, uh, it, may kind of, it may make us kind of scratch our head a, a little bit. The first thing I want you to see is this word translated as unbelievers is accurate, but I don't think it's the best option. And the reason I say that is because um, the word can also be translated as unfaithful. And the, the contrast that's being made is between one who's being faithful, fidelity, and one who's being unfaithful. And in this, not, not so much holding an objective reality called the faith, but rather they're, they're, they're not doing what they should be doing. They are unfaithful. The, the, that, that fidelity is not there. And I think that's really a better fit. But second, I want you to listen to Matthew chapter 24, verses 50 and 51. I referenced this passage just a minute ago. Parallel passage, he says, The master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour which he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now I want you to notice there's that word hypocrites. And we talked about hypocrites the last few weeks. What is a hypocrite? It's a pretender. It's an actor. It's somebody who puts on a facade or, or a show. And, and it could be that Jesus is talking about these religious leaders that he's just gotten through blasting for their hypocrisy not too long before. But it extends to anybody that this would describe. The, the person who claims to be a Christian, who acts like they're a Christian, they pretend to follow God, but they don't. And that's the key thing I want you to see. This is not speaking about believers going to hell because believers don't go to hell. He's talking about people who are religious pretenders. They are hypocrites, and they are unfaithful in what God has said to do. They don't do what God said. They are, they are mistreating people. Um, and, and, and it's not so much that they haven't done the works of God. You remember there are, there are going to be people that, that stand before him and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we, didn't we prophesy in your name and cast out demons and do all these works? The issue is they're not bearing the fruit of a faithful life, which shows they are not truly a Christian. They have everybody else fooled, maybe, except God. They are hypocrites. They are pretenders. They profess Christ, but they don't possess Christ as their king. <coughs> Excuse me. And then Jesus concludes by talking about differing severities of judgment. And Jesus says there are differences in the severity of judgment that will be experienced. Many lashes, few lashes. <coughs> if you'll notice verses 47 and 48... What that difference is based on. The difference in the amount of judgment, the severity of judgment, is based on the light or the knowledge that someone sins against. Now, of course, barring some sort of mental incapacity, everybody, everywhere on earth, knows that there are certain right things that they leave undone. And there are certain wrong things that they do. So nobody is without excuse for their sin. Everybody is responsible. They are culpable for that sin. <clears throat> but the person who lives in a land where they've not heard the gospel, 
They, they've never heard the name of Jesus. They've, they've never seen a Bible. They've never heard uh, of any of that. They, they have much less light than those of us here in America who have a, a, a church on every corner. And, and those of us who have been to church and we've heard the gospel, we've been to Sunday school, we've, we've sat through the sermons, we've read the scriptures. That's a whole other ball game when it comes to the amount of light, the amount of knowledge that they have. So yes, they may sin, those, those people in, in a foreign land, for instance, they may sin, but they are sinning against less light. In other words, the, the, there's, there's still disobedience there, but there's not that obstinate rebellion like, they're, like the person who's hearing the gospel and rejecting it. And Jesus says, the person who's had much light has greater responsibility. Therefore, their judgment will be more severe than those who do not know the gospel. Now, it's right to hear something like this and think, well, what about that, what about that poor native person out in the jungle who's never heard about Jesus? What about this? What about that? What about all these situations? And listen, we don't know how much light these people have had. We don't know any of that. We know that the God of all creation will do right. But more important today is not wondering about the folks who haven't heard. What you should be worried about is you who have heard. Because we all have responsibility. And the more light that you have, the more responsible you stand before God. And you are hearing the gospel today. You are hearing the word of God today. And that makes you more responsible before God. And the question that you need to ask and answer to yourself is, are you ready to stand before the Lord? Are you ready? Are you prepared? Because you will stand before God one of these days. It may be when Christ returns, or it may be at the point of death. But you and I, everybody, is going to stand before God, and we will give an account for what we've done in this life. And if you are not ready to meet Him, repent and believe the gospel today. They say, Pastor, I've done that. I did that a long, long time ago. <coughs> I'm prepared as far as that goes. Well, are you watching? Are you waiting? Do you live each day in the light of his imminent return? I submit to you that, that none of us do as much as we should, myself included. Remember, he can come back at any day and any hour. And blessed is that servant that he finds active, alert, engaged in those things that he's called us to when he does return. I want you to stand with me as uh, musicians come. And as you stand, I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And with nobody looking around, I just ask you to examine your own heart. Are you ready to stand before God? Have you made preparation? The only way to be prepared, to be ready, is to abandon your sin and cling to Christ. The way that God draws people to himself is, is different per person. But the key question is, are you ready?
Christian, are you ready to stand before God? Well, if, if Christ came back today, would he find you engaged, alert, watching, ready, prepared, doing what he said? Heavenly Father, we know that we know that even if we firmly believe that Christ could come back today, so often we let that thought go by the wayside. We get so caught up in all the activities of life, all the you know, family stuff and work stuff and you know health and just all the all the things that we have going on help us live in light of eternity each day and God for that person who's never accepted Christ as their savior I ask that you would help them in these moments to make the choice in light of eternity that they would come to Christ in repentance and faith Lord, may we all be ready when we stand before you one day. In Jesus' name, amen.